did you know that journalist and single mom, Nicole Whitney, is single-handedly making this freely available for you to hear. That's why your support is critical to help keep News for the Soul totally free. You can help in several ways. Firstly, you can tell everyone you know about News for the Soul. So many people out there still do not know about this totally free, life-changing resource. So do us, yourself, and your friends a favor and pass it on today. Secondly, financial support for News for the Soul helps keep the show going. Whether it's through advertising, donations, or purchases of our exclusive audio and video packages, like the one and only Spoon Bending Kit, which will teach you how to bend metal with your mind for real. This support helps keep us on the air. Go to newsforthesoul.com now to find out more. We invite you to help us help the world. And thanks for tuning in. It's listeners like you who have made News for the Soul the number one life-changing talk radio show in the world, according to Google and AOL. Together, we are already making a difference in our world. So thank you for listening, and thanks in advance for your support. Now, let's get back to the show. It's not just a show. It's a movement. You're listening to News for the Soul, the number one life-changing radio show in the world, according to Google and AOL and the largest free life-changing audio resource on the web. We feature the top luminaries in the evolution of human consciousness and have kept all of our shows all free, all of the time, for the world to hear. In a recent listener survey, News for the Soul listeners responded with overwhelming appreciation and praise, which they summarized with this one powerful statement. News for the Soul is not just a show. It's a movement. Go to... Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back. We're live. It's, oh, well, just after noon Pacific time, March 5th, 2014. That's how you know we're live, live, live. My microphone just fell apart. That's awesome. <laughs> you can hear weird clicking in the background. It is all okay. All right, so we were just listening to out of the archives, epic archive replay of the one and only physicist Tom Campbell, who has invisible friends and is proud to say so. <laughs> he helped set up the Monroe Institute in the early years, and he's always up for a crazy adventure with me on the air. At one time, he actually did try to tra- uh, teleport himself into my studio live on the air. It was awesome. <laughs> so look for that in the archives. And we will be sure to get him back on the show too shortly because uh, things are happening here. 90 day, well, less now, countdown to total transformation on News for the Soul. Lots of new stuff to bring for you. And that includes right now in this very moment. A new special weekly show on News for the Soul. All things health-related that you could ever want to know, you, you've got someone to ask now. Who has several PhDs, scientists, naturopath, doctor, and just a wealth of information? Dr. Holly is going to be heard on News for the Soul at noon Pacific time, starting today on Wednesdays. And literally, uh, 20 years experience, a wealth of training and knowledge, absolutely amazing. Unlimitedchoices.ca, her full bio is on the homepage there, newsforthesoul.com, and we're ready. She's here. Let's do this thing. Dr. Holly, welcome to News for the Soul. And I'm happy to be here. Yay. <laughs> it's exciting. I'm excited. You come highly recommended, and I now get to pick your brain about all kinds of things, as do our uh, callers who are already lining up on the lines. 
So, but today what I want to do, we want to start with your story where it begins and how you became uh, focused on health in the first place. Wow. (laughs) That goes a long ways back. Uh, I was born with a chromosomal disorder, a genetic disorder, and it was obviously very misdiagnosed throughout my childhood uh, and young adolescence, and I was on a just huge number of drugs that actually made the problems worse. And because of that, my mother, who was very forward-thinking at the time, uh, went into all the different types of alternative medicines trying to find a solution uh, for the problems I was having. So you could say that's where it started from. Uh, I have a chromosomal 3 disorder, which uh, many people actually have on one side. So if you get it just from one parent, it's not a big deal. The other side can compensate. But uh, I'm one of the very few that have it on both sides. Consequently, I don't make various enzymes and hormones and neurotransmitters. I grew up with a lot of seizure activity and things like ADD and dyslexia and all kinds of other issues that just compiled the problem. So that's what began. But then oh. uh, in university, I went into <laughs> I went into uh, teach. I wanted to be an astrophysicist, and along the way, teach math and physics. But came out as a psychologist, which was a rather interesting huh. turn of events. <laughs> All right. what, I found what? Uh, the psychology courses fascinating, and so I kept going along that route and got my first doctorate in psychology. Hmm. That was the While you were doing that, were you actually uh, finding, the, did your mom ever find some answers in alternative health? Uh, no, because we were looking, at, well, at that point, nobody realized I actually had a genetic disorder. So as much as I went through all the different acupuncture, which can be very good for some types of seizures, um, I went through homeopathic, naturopathic, I went through Edgar Casey stuff, we just did a whole ton of different things, and none of them ever worked until, which was interestingly enough, uh, I started meditating. And huh. shortly after doing a variety of different types of meditation, uh, we were able to calm the brain down and suddenly, <laughs> hold on a minute, I'm not having seizures anymore. Wow. Yeah. That's bizarre. Um, yeah, it was. I didn't make a neurotransmitter when the uh, primary inhibitory neurotransmitters is called GABA. And I, at that time, made virtually none. I do make uh, significant more now, although not as much as most people do. Uh, But that was the problem. And, of course, nobody had identified it or recognized it back then. So none of the alternatives was working for me. But meditation did, which was really cool. (laughs) That is very cool. Now, while you, what made, what facilitated the major turnaround from astrophysicist to psychologist? Like, that's huge. It is. Um, I love statistics. I love numbers. Numbers always made sense to me. Um, through school, I always took all the advanced courses in math and calculus. And they, I just loved working with numbers. Um, but I had two primary girlfriends in university, and both of them, wanted to become psychologists. And I would keep sitting in on their courses with one uh, prof in particular, uh, Jim, that was incredibly humorous. He made everything so much fun and exciting and interesting. And it's like, holy cow, people really do operate very differently and people do have really interesting challenges. And I just became more and more involved in 
his courses and what he was doing at the time, I thought, well, I didn't want to be a, a therapist for crying out loud. If people couldn't get their act together, I didn't want to be bothered with it. <laughs> I had a very limited perspective. Uh, but I loved the uh, science component of it. So my first doctorate was in research design and analysis, looking at uh, the different neurotransmitters and hormones, et cetera, in the brain and how they impacted or what the correlation was between uh, the chemicals in the brain and how people thought and made decisions and interpreted the world and responded to it. So how did you go from there to physical health? Uh, because I had to have, well, in my mind, I had to have a really good perception of uh, my physical health. You know, how was diet impacting on me? How did exercise impact on me? How did stress impact on me? But in, even though I was working as a, actually went from clinic, uh, experimental psych into clinical psych and then into counseling psych, so I maneuvered through that. But during that time, I was always looking at what was happening in my body. And it just made a huge amount of sense that if we're looking at how people can go into a dysfunctional mode psychologically, whether it's in cognitive or in emotional uh, personality disorders, etc., shouldn't we be looking at the nutrition that the brain required? It has to make all these neurotransmitters and these hormones and these peptides and these enzymes and keep up with all the different neuron, neurons, etc., all the phenomenal amount of glial cells. They require nutrients. The brain requires nutrients to make these things, never mind to keep them going, and yet we never got any training in the nutrition that the brain required. And I thought that was really bizarre. So with my clients, I was regularly sending them off to a naturopath to get different types of blood analysis, urine analysis, naturopathic uh, of assessment. Looking at the gut, my goodness, you know, people that are depressed tend to have tremendous correlation with gut issues. There's got to be something going on here. And so I just kept going along that field and just totally amazed that this wasn't a predominant component of psychology. It just seemed very, very bizarre. Then I had an opportunity to go into uh, the naturopathic field. So I went to the naturopathic college and started doing the training there. Um, I did shift over. You made the comment that I was a naturopath. I'm actually not a naturopathic physician. Second year I transferred from uh, naturopathic or an ND over to a doctor of natural medicine. Um, because of that, I was able to design what I thought was a much, much better uh, curriculum. Uh, I got to work with top people in the field one-on-one. Then I went and got a whole bunch of individual degrees and designations in that area as well. So working with a doctorate of nutrition and a master's in herbal medicine, I went to India, actually studied in uh, the U.S. and in India for Ayurvedic physician. I did the homeopathy. So I got the full training in each of the different fields rather than just some of a whole bunch of stuff in the naturopathic field. So naturopaths don't like the DNMs, and the DNMs don't like the naturopaths, which is really sad. But uh, let's not get that confused. Hmm. I am not a naturopathic doctor. I am a doctor of natural medicine, which most people couldn't care less about, but the colleges do. Okay, so can you clarify even more clear what the difference between those two things is? Uh, if you go into naturopathic 
college. There's six uh, recognized ones uh, in North America. And uh, like most of your other alternative professions, you will get 2,000 hours of allopathic or MD uh, theory. But in addition to that, you get your nutrition, uh, herbal medicine, um, homeopathic, acupuncture. You'll get a little bit of massage. You'll get a little bit of chiropractic. You get a little bit of uh, Ayurvedic. But you get all of that crammed into four years. As opposed to in Doctor of Natural Medicine, rather than specifying after the fact which arena you want to train in, you specify beforehand. So you decide what kind of training you want, and you go and get that full training. So you would get the four years of a whole bunch of stuff. You get four years of one modality. And that's hmm. basically the difference. Now, in terms of recognition and accreditation, uh, where I live, uh, they don't even have a college for the Doctor of Natural Medicine. There's only, I think, 25 of us in the province, whereas wow. the naturopathic MD uh, does have a college. On the other hand, you go through the World Health Organization, and the Doctor of Natural Medicine is recognized a lot more so than the MD. So it, <laughs> it depends on where you go to, who's going to acknowledge it, recognize it, etc. But certainly one covers a whole bunch of things, and then you decide your modality, whereas the other one, you choose your modality in advance is the basic difference. And so um, are your, um, as far as how you approach a client or a patient, is it similar, though? Uh, <laughs> not necessarily. Um you're certainly trying to, uh, at least we like to think, that as an alternative practitioner, you're trying to look at what is the underlying cause of the issue, not what is being presented as a symptom. So we all know that if you go to an MD, he'll look at the symptoms and he'll prescribe various medications to deal with the symptoms. They're not really trained in looking at what's the underlying cause and eliminating that. Uh, the curriculums are um, governed typically by the pharmaceutical companies along with their protocol and procedure, so it keeps the pharmaceutical companies going. In the alternative, we're typically looking at what is the underlying cause of the issue. So in that sense, both the DNM and the ND are doing it uh, in a similar fashion. We're both trying to find out what's the underlying cause. Um, and depending on what your focus is, for a lot of people, say when they come out of an MD school, even though they've been trained in a variety of different modalities, they will link up with their favorite one, the one that they most connect with and obviously use that one the most. Whereas with the DNM, he's already established that in advance and may arguably have more training in that given field. Mm -hmm. uh, controversy over that. So, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of overlap and similarity. Now, I do probably somewhat different. My company is called Choices Unlimited for Health and Wellness um, because I not only have the doctorates, the designations, et cetera, in psychology, but I also have them in the physical medicines, and I also have them in the energetic modalities. I see energy, so I trained in all the energetic modalities as well. And certainly oh, as a psychologist, 
recognizing the huge impact of the placebo effect, how powerful our belief systems are uh, on how our body responds, reacts, etc. My attitude is always, what is your favorite modality? What really clicks with you? Because whatever your issue is, number one, there can be a whole bunch of causes for your current uh, symptom profile if you want. But in the same vein, there can be all kinds of ways to resolve it. So if I can figure out what your favorite, favored uh, modality, which modality you click with, then I can put together a protocol that fits for you because that combined with your belief system will have a tremendous impact in my mind. (laughs) Can you tell me more about the energetic modalities you studied? Well... Uh, growing up, I'd often heard of people talking about auras. And so I, auras were always associated with colors, and I never saw color, but I see the energy around people. Actually, that was one of the <laughs> funny things for me when I was in naturopathic school. My partner was far as the And I always found a fascination with what the paper was she was writing on because I could see energy around people and animals and trees before, but I'd never seen energy around an inanimate object. And I see energy like a a fog. And the fog, just how thick it is, how dense it is, whether it's got knots, whether it's got holes, whether it's got uh, shooting arrows out of it, what have you, I could see the energy, but no color. Um, so to go back for a second, I thought everybody saw what I did until my mid-20s, and I realized people didn't see even what I saw, never mind the color. Anyways, going back to Farzanay, because I always thought that was an interesting story for me. When Farzanay would write on paper in class so that her attention was on the overhead, on the professor, on whoever, the energy around her paper was very minute. But when she worked on an exam paper, where her focus was entirely on the paper, the energy around the paper was really dense. I found that fascinating. Number one, I'd never seen energy around inanimate objects before. But to see how it could change just because of her intensity or her focus on the paper was really interesting for me. Anyways, apart from all that, because I saw, realized I saw an energy that people didn't, most people didn't see, um, I started studying different types of energy modalities, from everything from Reiki to Theta and everything in between, um, to look for the commonalities, to look for how they interpreted it, how they understood it. Um, and, of course, there's just as much variation as there is in the, chemical or the physical sciences as there is in the psychological sciences. So I was trying to find what are the bridges, what are the commonalities, what can we really take away and understand, and I was coming back to there's so much more we really don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the more we look, the more stuff we realize we don't know. That's true. Um, huh. So um, I want to ask, this question because I'm always this is a, one of my driving questions in life is where is this the line because you've you've had the gift of studying the mind and the physical and the energetic so bringing all those together as far as what we can create or as far as our 
control over our health. We'll just stay with the health topic for now. Um, as far as being able to heal ourselves within ourselves, where's the line between physically needing to do something outside of ourselves and focusing on it within? Um, I don't know that there's a line. I think there's a tremendous overlap. Um, in all the books that I write, I'm always trying to put out, our system is so incredibly interdynamic. Uh, the energy outside the body with the energy inside the body, the energy with the mind, the mind with the brain, the mind-brain energy with all the different physical systems we have. I think that's been a major falling, failing of uh, Western medicine is the way they tried to separate them all out and say this one tissue or organ or this is the mind and not the body, etc., is tremendously inept and has taken us away from the incredible intricacy of all the systems together. They work in, nothing works in isolation. They all work intricately together. And when you look at the older modalities, like Ayurvedic medicine or TCM, they're much more, um, they see the human experience as a much more integrated, interdynamic system than Western does. So that's one of the reasons I come back to Choices Unlimited. We need to be able to look at the whole system from the most energetic, subtle energies to the most concrete, physical uh, aspects of who we are and everything in between because they're all interrelated. And you can't have an impact on one without it impacting to some degree on another. So whether you're looking at it from the energetics, from a psychological base, or from a physical base, they are all tremendously interconnected, interdynamic. That's a good answer. I like that answer. Because it's not a simple cut-and-dry thing, is it? It's it's intermixed. Like the rest of life. <laughs> What in the universe isn't intermixed of that nature? Right. All right. So I love that answer. Uh, So, all right. So you have all these these modalities and everything coming together to create Choices Unlimited. So what do people come to you to work on? Ooh. (laughs) Well, uh, everything from, say, depression. Depression is a big one probably because of, one of the books I wrote uh, is called Depression, The Real Cause May Be in Your Body, uh, which explores all the different, um, well, I shouldn't say all, it explores many of the different physiological conditions and balances, et cetera, that have depression as the number one symptom. Unfortunately, psychologists aren't taught that, and they rely on MDs who aren't taught that. So <laughs> that's a really big one for me. People who want to say, well, you know, I've done years of psychotherapy of some sort, I've been on drugs for antidepressants and nothing ever helps, can there be something else that's going on? And so we can do an assessment and say, you know, hold on a minute. This is because of the macrobiota in your gut, or this is because of your adrenals, or this is because of low glutathione level or low magnesium. Uh, This isn't a psychological issue at all. The psychological component is the end result of all these other things going on. So mm. I get a lot of that. But I get right through from MS to cancers to 
uh, hypertension, cholesterol issue. Of course, my book I just finished um, writing is on the cardio system and what a, a, how many myths there are about that system and cholesterol. Um, so I get a whole broad range of issues. I've got one, uh, a beautiful uh, situation, or at least I think it's, it's created, evolved into a beautiful situation. A young lady who the doctors have been working with for 15 years and have caused nothing but problems. When I first met her, she couldn't sleep for more than an hour. She basically bald. She had a horrible, horrible rash on her whole body. She had a bowel movement like once every four or five days. Yeah. And right away, with my system, I was able to assess that she had a chromosomal 18 disorder. Her immune system was incredibly out of balance. And we've been able to get her. She's got a full head of hair. She sleeps the whole night uh, with a sleep, eight hours. She has regular bowel movement. She's eliminated most of the rash, although not all of it. Um, she's in school for the first time in her life, as opposed to doing a home study. This has phenomenal success. So from really dramatic cases like that, people coming in with, say, adrenal fatigue who have been on Synthroid forever, and Synthroid doesn't solve the problem. It's actually creating a whole bunch more problems because the problem was never the thyroid in the first place. It was the adrenals. Consequently, I wrote a book on adrenal fatigue. <laughs> so I get a, a really broad spectrum of people that come to me. So how do you go about diagnosing people and uh, what's what kind of what's unique about your treatment and uh, diagnosis and treatment with people? Well, number one, the fact that I can actually see the energetic pattern around people, you know, just when they walk in the door, um, to give me an understanding uh, on some level of what's going on. Um, listeners aren't able to do that. Two, I use the Asira. Um, which is an instrumentation. Um, it's just, there's all kinds of different instruments out there. I went through assessing a huge number of different diagnostic and treatment um, equipment. And this is like the mothership of all of them. Um, fantastic. We can assess over 60,000 variables in the body with basically better validity and reliability than a blood test, which... Basically, you can send a blood test to three different laboratories and get three different responses. Mm. Uh, but with all the different university studies, et cetera, that have been done with this, it's indicative that it actually has better validity and reliability than a blood test. And I can attest so much more. So I start off with that. Of course, I do a, an hour's worth of a, um oral intake assessing your physical system, your medical background, your nutritional background, your family history, uh, psychological history if we need to, um, just a whole spectrum of things. We also do things like a urine analysis and a nitric oxide analysis. If necessary, we might do an iodine test. Whatever uh, is indicative, I'd like to create as many different, uh, if you want, backup checks. According to this system, this is what it is, so let's look at the next system. Yep, it's validated there, too. Okay, let's try another maneuver. Is it validated there, too? So that we're getting a variety of different validity and reliability checks along the way to assess, determine what it is, what's the protocol that's required. And then, of course, we have to go into, okay, (laughs) 
we need to address this kind of a protocol, but do we do it from an Ayurvedic perspective? Do we do it from a TCM, homeopathic, Western, supplemental? Um, what, what are our options here, and what option fits best for the client? What about people that uh, are remote or aren't able to come to you physically in your office? Uh, well, we don't have, obviously, the uh, Asira then to work with. So, um, I, actually, I have more doctors that come to me around the world than uh, clients, doctors asking for information on how to diagnose and what to check for and what kind of protocols to give. But I do work with uh, consultation of people around the world and have to do, you know, over emails and um, faxes and phone calls and whatnot. And then utilize whatever they have available. So can you go in and get a blood test for this or can get a urine analysis for that? And then that's sent to me and we work uh, with a lot of times. I work directly with their doctors, uh, depending on how open-minded the doctor is. For doc- some doctors, I'm a real threat. For others, they're completely open and, okay, let's see what we can do to the best interest of the client. Um more than willing to to work together. So that's one like of the anything, biggest. You're going to uh, get a broad spectrum in clients. You get a broad spectrum in practitioners. Exactly, and that's one of the biggest things we all, as conscious uh, people in this network, that uh, you know we run into. Uh, where do we go to get uh, a doctor that's going to be more aware of the other levels going on and more open? They're very closed. A lot of them, right? To having these conversations about alternatives, um, do you have, like, a a way of referring people? Um, locally, I do, more so uh, where, around where I live, but uh, when it comes to people in other provinces, other countries, et cetera, then I have to go to the Internet and look and try and figure out who might be advantageous. Um, but just to go back to the medical for a moment, um, I was in med school at one point. Actually, I was doing it as part of uh, a doctoral program. And I can't remember if it was second or third year class, probably second. It was a um, neurophysiology and anatomy class. And I was taken aside and asked to please not ask any more questions. Now, having already put together curriculums, having profed in universities, et cetera, it was like, oh, okay, am I asking the wrong questions? Am I asking them too soon in the curriculum? Should I be asking them in a different course? What's the problem with the question? And they said, well, no, you're actually asking good questions. The problem is you're destroying the morale of the students. (laughs) Pardon? And their reaction was, these are med students who need to go out believing they can help people. And all you're doing is exposing the fact that we're working with hypotheses, indications, uh, suggested, et cetera, that we really don't have the black and white evidence-based medicine that we would like to believe we have. So that is what med students are up against, in addition to which, at that time, and that was back in the, what, the 80s, um, and I believe it's still the case for most medical programs today, allopathic medicine, is in four and a half years, you get three hours of nutrition. Yes. 
You think of all the different things the body has to constantly be doing, all the nutrient it requires, and you're only getting three hours of nutrition? How is a physician supposed to understand how our bodies interact with our diet, with all the toxins, the um, depletions, et cetera, that we're dealing with? So my heart goes out, on one level, it goes out to these MDs who are really at an incredible disadvantage. Mm. But my support goes out to the ones who are wise enough, smart enough to say, hold on a minute, our system really isn't working and we need to figure out what the body requires. And those are the ones, obviously, I like to work with. Yes, it's, it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? I just boggles the mind how the system's set up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's supporting the pharmaceuticals. You always have to take that into consideration. Pharmaceuticals wouldn't make the money they make if they solved the underlying issue by simply giving the nutrient that the body required. So out of all the areas uh, of things that people come to you about, what's your what's your big area of passion? Like, what's your excitement in all of this? Uh that's a challenge in today's society of business where they're always telling you you need to have a primary focus. <laughs> you need to have your niche because I'd say that changes for me every month. Um, Which is okay, too, I think. I mean, if there's everything's are, things are always evolving, right? They are, and it's whatever the latest, um, because I'm a researcher, I'm a scientist, I love working with leading-edge laboratories, et cetera, whatever the newest, latest, information is um, I want to research and if there's enough information out there I'll write a book on it on the other hand if a client comes in and I'm having to work a, a different aspect of that quote condition to help this client then I'm sitting down writing a book about it trying to get the information out there uh, I said earlier any given condition, disorder, disease, imbalance in our human experience can have a wide variety of causes, just as it can have a wide variety of solutions. And Western medicine has lost that recognition. So I'm forever trying to teach people either by doing presentations, doing interviews, <laughs> writing books, what have you, trying to get it out to the public. Look at all the different possibilities there might be. Don't get trapped into one. So let's talk about your books. You're on your 14th. What are your first 13 about? <laughs> uh, well, I wrote about the chocolate controversy. That was a great one. Um, chocolate in its natural uh, form has over 1,200 molecules, over 300 nutrients, um, but as most of us know, the crap junk chocolate you get in the stores is very detrimental for you because it's been pasteurized. It's been this, that, and the other thing and has lost most of its nutrient value and been combined with a bunch of stuff that's very toxic to the body. On the other hand, you take real 100% chocolate, not the scam of the bitter chocolate, but the the real 100% chocolate. And it is so incredibly beneficial to the body in so many different arenas, from cancer to cholesterol to um, what have you, uh, obesity, 
um, the adrenals, the mind, the brain. Incredibly beneficial. So I wrote The Chocolate Controversy, The Bad, Mediocre, and The Awesome. And I think after that I wrote the one on depression. Then I wrote the one on adrenal fatigue. Uh, That was really more addressing the fact that most people who have been diagnosed with hypothyroid and put on Synthroid really have other issues going on, whether it be the adrenals, the gut, the liver, etc., uh, that's causing the thyroid issue. Then I wrote The Vital Liver, uh, exploring the over 500 different functions of the liver and how it can impact on every other system in the body. Then I tried writing one that was involving the uh, gastrointestinal tract, or GIT, um, but <laughs> combined the immune system and the inflammatory system all together in the same book. And I wrote that one about five times before I gave up and broke it into three separate books. The one book was on the um, GI tract, one book on inflammatory disorders, and one on the immune system. Uh, What else have I Oh, managing your weight in another hugely misunderstood field. Uh, There is so much uh, involved in weight management that people just have no idea of and certainly aren't taught about. Um... I did write one that was more philosophical, that one's still with the uh, publisher right now, called So What's the Point? Then I wrote a book on the heart, the cardio system. Currently I'm writing a book on, I'm writing four right now, one on the herb neem, one on coconuts, one on diabetes, and one on autism. And I just keep jumping back between them. <laughs> that's a lot of books. <laughs> yeah. I think so what was the them. point? So what's the point? Um, that one was more, actually a book that I started about 10 years ago because of a dream I had that I was supposed to write it. Uh, I woke up in the morning with the index, the name of the book and with all the chapters and every few weeks I seemed to wake up with another chapter that I was supposed to sit down and write. And then I didn't have anything about it for years, and I totally forgot about it. And I was on holidays in Mexico last this past November. Oh, that was another book I wrote. While I was in Mexico, I wrote a book called So What's the Point? And the other book was on glutathione, one of the most important molecules in your body. Uh, and what? So What's the wow. Point was taking this... Um, framework for a book that I had been given <laughs> in a dream 10 years ago and filling it out. And it was all about, so what's the point when you try so hard and you don't achieve what you think you should achieve? Whether that be in a relationship, in your career, in a business, uh, with your health. I, didn't, it, I worked through all different arenas of life. And the challenges that people have when they just try so hard and feel like they're failing or not getting to where they think they should be and looking at it from a variety of different perspectives. What are the lessons in the process? What can you benefit? Uh, Are you trying too hard? Should you step back and let it come to you rather than be pushing for it? Um, Are you banging your head against a cement wall when there's actually a door or a window next to it that you're not seeing. So looking at 
what's, so what's the point? From a wide variety of perspectives in life, as well as a wide number of possibilities to solve the problem. Hmm. When someone comes to you, because of the complex, holistic nature, like you said, there's so many other things that can be going on than what they think might be going on. How long does it take you to kind of ascertain what's going on with somebody? Uh, well, normally my first session with an individual, especially if I'm seeing them one-on-one uh, in front of me, uh, is usually an hour and a half to two hours. Wow. Now, with um, I can pretty much assess what the underlying issues are, what the, what the building blocks, if you want, are that need to be addressed. And I often tell my clients, you're coming in with this symptom or that symptom, it may even be cancer, whatever it is, I'm not really going to address it at all. Because if I address that component, that's like trying to fix the roof when I have a foundation that's crumbling. So rather than doing that, work at fixing the foundation, recreating the foundation, strengthening the foundation, detoxing the foundation, and then build up. So that by the time we get, say, halfway there, the body is back in a harmony, the body is back with its nutrient, with whatever it requires, so that it ends up resolving the rest of the issues. We want the, the body is phenomenally designed. It's designed to heal. I'm supposed to be dead four times over. I've been told twice I would never walk again, and two other times I'd probably never walk again. According to my EEGs, I shouldn't be able to talk. Um, they thought I would be dead by the time I was 25. They thought I'd never graduate from high school. I was supposed to be blind by the time I was 30. None of these things have happened. And they haven't happened because I worked so hard at getting the ego out of the way and letting the body do what it was designed to do. That applies for all of us. Whether it's the ego of the self or the ego of the practitioner, the, the doctor, the therapist, whoever, the body is designed to heal. Give it what it needs to do what it's designed to do. And for one person, that might be more difficult than for another. And for one person, we might have to do a number of different adjustments along the way, whereas for someone else with the same, quote, diagnoses, it may just be a one-stop junction that they walk through and golly gee whiz, there they are. So, again, recognizing all the different the similarities and the differences, but that there's an underlying commonality, and that is we are designed to heal. So a lot of people must be kind of feeling really frustrated and burned out and hopeless by the time they get to because they've been through the medical system first, right? Absolutely. Although, thankfully, that's not everybody, but unfortunately, it's the majority. Hmm. Some people, I mean, just to... I mean, be aware that people are becoming more and more aware in today's world, of, you know, with the Internet, with the amount of information and data, with the number of doctors and pharmaceutical research, et cetera, that are coming out of the uh, closet, so to speak, and acknowledging um, what's really going on behind closed doors. 
And so people are becoming more and more aware and more and more open to there are alternative ways of achieving health. Or they're fed up taking cocktails of pills. And they're fed up with, you know, going from one specialist to another. And so people see that in their friends. They see it in their parents. 